clapper really helps. Does it? Like yeah, for you to pick yeah, up? Yeah, because I see these two straight line, these high peaks. Gotcha. gotcha. And then I'm able to line them up. And okay, it's like the clap off. <laughs> clap <laughs> off. Clap <laughs> on, clap <laughs> off. The, the clapper. clapper. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, welcome, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Bumper Sticker Faith. I'm Lewis Dooley. This is my brother, Sam Key. And, man, we're here with another funky, fresh episode for y'all. A little bit different. A lot of people may have never heard of this book in the Bible before. I've come to find a lot yeah. of people I've been meeting that's probably 45 years old mm-hmm. and under. They don't really know a lot of Bible books other than like the Gospels and stuff. And yeah. especially when it gets to Old Testament, they're just like, they can't even pronounce them. They never yeah. even heard of them. So today might be one of those books. Not new for me. But today we're going to be talking about something from the book of Ecclesiastes. But before we do that. Thank you. We want to say thank you to our supporters, mm-hmm. uh, for people who believe in us. They like the content that we're kicking out. And if you like it, um, give us a thumbs up on one of the platforms that you watch or listen to. And, uh, you know, consider being a supporter. You can be a life sentence person. You can be a double life. Or you can, you can like, man up or woman up <laughs> and get the triple life sentence. So, you know, it's all up to you. Uh, we plan on getting some actual bumper stickers. Um, pretty soon and some mugs to send out to our current supporters. So don't miss out on that, man. Mm-hmm. We're going to get some cool other swag. I got to give me a fresh bumper sticker faith hat. You know what I mean? That I can rock up in here, even though the Cubs had it still legit. Go Cubs. <laughs> but um, yeah, today is going to be a great episode. Thank you guys so much. So without further ado, Sam, what's up? We ha- I had someone message me last night and wish me a happy bump day tomorrow. <laughs> Which really? Is today, <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Happy bump day to so, y'all so too, that's man. That's pretty cool. Uh, that is cool. Yeah, and uh, and also, this is our twentieth episode. Did you ever think we'd make it to twenty? Never. We think we made it. <laughs> I need like some confetti to throw in the air, you know. So yeah, wow, we made man. it. We made it. We, we made, made it, it to twenty. So uh, and and today, um, in celebration of our twentieth episode, we're going to talk about the book of Ecclesiastes, as as you said. It's one of my favorite books in the in the Bible. Okay, and uh, I is probably one of the first books I ever read too, and uh, because I was I was assigned to read it in high school, went to a, a public high school. Wow! And we did. Uh, I was in like this um, honors English kind of class, mm-hmm. and one of the sections was. Um, What's that called? <laughs> oh, existentialism. Okay. Yeah, we did an existentialism uh, stint where we read a few books um, by Camus and Sartre and these hmm. f- crazy uh, French guys, and um, and then Ecclesiastes from the Bible. So I remember reading that as like a, I don't know, junior or senior. Okay. And uh, thinking this is such a depressing book. Mm. Like I. Yeah, I could kind of see why it fit in this uh, existential section, um, and like every like page after page, like he 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 says like is uh, is this worth it in life to have riches to have these to have accomplishments to have wives to have pleasures all these things it's like no because you die and everything goes away, and uh, it just he really kind of nailed the human condition and I even remember being. As a non-Christian at that time, really being struck uh, hmm. by this book. Wow, interesting. I don't, I don't know if you have any uh, first experiences with Ecclesiastes. Not really, man. Not much at all. I just remember that verse where it says, "Vanity, vanity, all is vanity." You know, yeah. and that was actually a high yeah. school. Um, 
organiz- uh, organization that goes and shares the gospel in high schools mm-hmm. and what, at an out- outreach that they created. One of them was uh, centered on those verses in Ecclesiastes. I actually have a T-shirt that's huh. got the verse on the back. It's a little too small, so I never wore it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I fit in it one day. <laughs> yeah, van- we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about vanity and vanities. And, and what that means, what what it could mean, uh, but first the first to set the stage, I want you to uh, imagine why the book of Ecclesiastes was written in the first place. And so here's like uh, a theory that some people have um, that the book of Ecclesiastes was written as like a gospel tract to the nations. Hmm, okay. All right. So, and I read that. Um, and I thought, hmm, it kind of was compelling to me. And I, and I thought to myself, is there any biblical support for that? And so I, th- I thought and I came to First um, Kings chapter 4, where there's a section about all these nations and all these rulers and kings coming into Solomon's kingdom. And they, they're looking at all his wealth, all his riches. They're hearing all of his wisdom. And they're saying basically, how can we have what you have? Like, they want what he's got. Like, he has all this stuff that they've never just seen such an accumulation before. And he's the wisest guy. And it even says that the Queen of Sheba comes and it says her breath was taken away by mm. it all, by looking at all the glory in that. And you can only imagine that as they're coming in and talking with Solomon, Time and time again over the years, they're like, how can we have what you have? Tell us about your God. Mm-hmm. Because in their minds, uh, the gods were a way to get all this stuff. And if I could have the right God, manipulate the right God in the right way, then I can have all that you have. Mm. I can have all your power. And Solomon's probably like, wait a minute. Uh, God doesn't play like that. Yeah, that like, sounds like a lot of people today, though. It, it does. Absolutely does in the church and outside of the church. Yeah, we want to use God to get to something else. Yep. And and Solomon again is like God doesn't play like that. You don't understand. That's not what the God of the Bible is like. And probably mm-hmm. you know after after a while he probably started thinking I should write something down that I could give people to share with people about my God and about the God of the Bible and how life and reality works. And we can kind of imagine this to be our book of Ecclesiastes. At least that's that's how I think about it. So Ecclesiastes as a as a as a gospel tract to the nations, uh, explaining who God is. And right away, as we get into it, we're not going to talk about the whole book, but I'll just hit some highlights and <clears throat> kind of get people going in the in the right direction of an understanding. Because uh, by the end of this, I want people to realize that. This depressing book is a, the secret to joy in life. Mm. Depression leads to joy. <laughs> yes. Okay. Absolutely. Right. This depressing book is a secret to joy in life. And if you can get what Solomon is getting at here, then um, you can have true joy no matter what is going on in your life. So he sets a stage in chapter one um, with this, all these words about nature. Okay. And what he's doing here is he's, is he's riffing on Genesis and the creation story in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, except something's gone wrong in Ecclesiastes. So you see hints of this in Ecclesiastes in, in verse 1, where he says, The words 
of the preacher. And that's like reminiscent of Genesis 1 where the Word spoke in the beginning mm-hmm. and created everything and said, let there be light and, and all this. And here he's going back to that. Much like in John's Gospel, he starts with the Word. Mm-hmm. In the beginning was the Word. So Solomon here is starting with the Word again to try to get us in that uh, to get us in that mindset. And then he goes on and... Um, Again, he has all these nature references to like the sun rising, sun going down, then it does it all again, the wind blowing to the south, to the north, around and around it goes, all these nature references. And as I said, that I think goes back to Genesis uh, 1 and 2 too, uh, but again with something wrong with it. So pause for a minute, uh, go back to, uh, if, we, if you flip back to Genesis 1 in the creation story, there's been uh, quite a few people over the over the centuries that have pointed out this kind of cool literary structure to uh, the seven days of creation, and they've said how, and you can you can read this for yourself. Like on day one, two, and three, God creates like these containers, and then on days four, five, and six, He creates the things to fill the containers. In those days. So like on day one, God creates day and night, right? That's a container. On day two, he creates an, ex- an expanse above the sky and, and an expanse below. And, then, and on day three, he creates dry land, seas, and vegetation. Again, these are all like the containers or the arenas. Then when you get to day four, he starts to fill those containers or those arenas. So on day four, which corresponds back to day one, he creates a sun and moon to fill the day and the night. On day five, he creates the sea creatures and the sky creatures, again, to go and fill the expanse above and the expanse below. And then on day six, he creates the beasts and the humans to go back in day three to fill the dry land, the seas, and then the vegetation. So you have this. All I want to say about that is in Genesis 1, you have this na- na- creation is filling. It's filling up. It's filling up. Back to Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes, notice um, some of the language in chapter 1 where um, there's no filling (laughs) anymore. It says in verse 7, All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, and there they flow again. All things are are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there's nothing new under the sun. So you have this world that's, that Solomon's explaining that where, where things aren't filled anymore. Things aren't fulfilling anymore. There's weariness. You, you can't, you can, no matter how hard you try, no matter how much you get of this life, it just doesn't, it just doesn't work, doesn't fill up anymore. So all that to say... Solomon's painting this world where something has gone wrong. That's the first thing people need to know about life. If you, you want to learn how to navigate the world that we live in and find joy, you, first off, you have to realize that it's a mess out there. And the things that you normally would think would be fulfilling are just mirages. All right, And that's the word I like to use for vanity of vanities. It's this uh, uh, Hebrew word, hebel like H-E-B-E-L, mm-hmm. uh, Hebel, Hebel, and different translations. What does your translation say? <clears throat> Which verse? Uh, for vanity, or is it meaningless? Or 
the, the words that it repeats. Mine says vanity of vanities. Some say like meaningless, meaningless. Mine says futility of futility. Oh, futility of futility. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, the word hebel is like a, like a mist or like smoke, a mm-hmm. vapor. Um, I like to think of it as a mirage because a mirage, you like, <laughs> you see something that looks that looks yeah. nice. It look you want that, mm-hmm. but you go after it and there's nothing there. Nothing there, yeah. It just vanishes. It's uh, it's ephemeral. So as as you read, as the reader reads this, think mirage, mirage. Like that's what Solomon's trying to say. Like these mm-hmm. things won't fill you up. It's like fool's gold. Yeah, fool's gold. Yeah, they won't fill you up, no matter how. Um, no matter how much of it that you have, it won't do it. So another thing to mention here at the beginning is this, um, this not only the not filling, but the circularness of it. Uh, there's several places where um, he talks about circuits and cycles, things going around and around. It says, uh, let's see, uh, verse 6, the wind blows to the South it goes around to the north, around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits, again, another circle word, the wind returns. And there's more instances of this circle language of things going around and around and around. And, um, and then um, he says in verse, um, uh, the chasing after the wind, where, where is that? I've seen everything. Oh, yeah, in verse 14. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity, or mirages, and striving after the wind, chasing after the wind. So let me ask you, if the wind is going around and around, <laughs> and you're chasing after that wind, what are you doing? Yeah, going around and around. It's like around. the dryer or the washing machine. It's just yeah. going in a circle, man. <laughs> yeah, round and around and around. That's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing, chasing after the wind, going around and around. And uh, it struck me what, what kind of what, what kind of a world this is. Uh, it's a snake-shaped world, a snake from the like the Garden of Eden, because a snake coils. It's around. Mm-hmm. It's, it, that that's what a snake is. And Solomon's painting this picture of a snake-shaped world. That's the kind of world we live in, where we're just we're just chasing our tails, mm-hmm. going around and around and around, and. Um, I think um, a summary of the whole book, kind of like his thesis statement, is actually in verse um, 15. It says, what is crooked or, or bent or circular, okay, what is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. What is crooked cannot be made straight, and what is lacking cannot be counted. So these crooked things in life, and this is like the, the main takeaway uh, for me and something easy for like people to hold on to, is that in this life there are straight things and there are bent things. There are crooked things. And they're, they're all here, but you just have to have them in the right order in your life. Hmm. And what, what we tend to do, what we, what we all do, is we take the, the bent things and we put them at the top above God. And we take the straight things, the eternal things, the things of God, and we put them beneath the bent things. Mm. And that's like we were talking about at the beginning where people were coming into Solomon and saying, how can I have all your, tell me about your God, your straight thing, so I can have all your stuff, your bent things. And, Mm -hmm. And you're like putting those things above God. And when we do that, 
you those things, those bent things become. But what's some exa- What's some examples of some bent things so our listeners can know? Like, what's a bent yeah. thing? You keep saying bent. Well, give me yeah. some examples. Examples of bent things are chapter two, what uh, Solomon goes into. And he goes into um, trying out these bent things and making them the, you know, God of his life, mm-hmm. really. And uh, we're going to uh, get in. We're going to get into those. Um, in just a second, but first, I want to point out this verse about what Solomon is is doing here. Um, he's becoming. He says in verse uh, seventeen, one chapter one verse seventeen. I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. All right. So Solomon's becoming a holy fool for us. Mm. He's like getting into this role where he is going to play like the kind of person that he's trying to uh, give wisdom to, that he's trying to debunk. Um, in Paul writes that Jesus became sin for us. Mm-hmm. Well, it's as if here that Solomon is becoming a sinner for us. He's like the beta tester. He's going to go <laughs> test these things he's out go test so up. he can come report back to us and yes. let us know that this stuff is all crooked. Yeah, ben, Yeah, that's right. Is it worth it? So I'm going to become a sinner for you. I'm going to try out all these things. I'm going to put all these things above God, seek after these things. I'm going to report back, like you said, uh, if it works, if these things give meaning in mm-hmm. life, or are they just mirages? So some of these things, I mean, these are these are old things. They're nothing new. But this is what we are constantly going after today, too. So then that gets you into chapter 2. He says, I said in my heart, come now, I will test or beta test, I'll test you with pleasure, enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was a mirage. I said of laughter, it's mad, of pleasure, what use is it? I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under the sun during the few days of their life. I made great works, built houses, planted vineyards for myself, I made myself gardens and parks, planted them in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which uh, to water the forest of growing trees. I brought I bought male and female slaves. I had slaves who were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also had gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the children of men. So I became, verse 9, great and surpassed all who were born before me. And also my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept from my heart no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this, is, this was my reward for my toil. All right, so he... He, he, he tries everything. There's not anything in this list that we can't find today that is at the top of our list of things that we're trying to go after. He tests them all. He tests them all. And he finds that these bent things are mirages that um, are meaningless. It says in verse 11, Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil that I had expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity, hebel, mirages, and striving after the wind, again, going in circles, Mm -hmm. and there was nothing to be gained 
under the sun. Mm. I think people can probably relate to that. <laughs> In our world of today of chasing after. Yeah, the unfortunate part is I think a lot of times people don't get to that part until they've actually done it. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like Solomon. I'm going to chase after this thing. And they don't realize it was foolishness or folly or really no benefit mm-hmm. until, like, they've achieved it. But you can't go back and get that time, that energy, and the resources that you mm-hmm. used to spend to get where you are. So you just wasted precious time yeah. that God gave you chasing after these things. Yeah. So, And that's partly why Solomon's saying, hey, let me be the holy fool. Let me be the one to be the sinner to do this for you to save some of that time. But you're right. We waste decades of our life um, chasing and after And it's crazy. If we, if we read the book of Ecclesiastes, even just the first couple chapters, mm-hmm. you know, we would kind of see like using Solomon's wisdom as our own that we wouldn't even waste our time chasing these things. Now, the question I had, mm-hmm. then a follow-up question I had yeah. when I said, what are these things, was um, are any of these things wrong or bad in and of themselves yeah. because we don't want a person to think yeah, if yeah. I'm trying to be a real estate yep. mogul if I'm trying to like run a successful business and have mm-hmm. good growth like is that what Solomon's mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. or is there something else he's talking about yeah that's why that's this is what was so help, helpful about this book for me because I think I was at a place in my life before where I just assumed that all these kinds of pleasures and power, they were completely wrong and Christians should want to have nothing to do with them. But that's not healthy and it's not right. And that's not what Solomon's saying. He's merely saying that there's an order to life. The bent things go on the bottom and the straight things go on the top. If you keep that order, you're good. So you use, you don't use God to get these pleasures, okay. but rather you use a pleasure to get more of God, right? Mm-hmm. These pleasures can, uh, it's almost like a ladder, a ladder of love, mm. where smaller loves, as you climb up them, can lead you to the greatest love. Mm. And that's the right order to, mm. to keep them in. Yeah, I like, to, I like to see it that, you know, the only real pleasure we can get is in Christ. And so if we're seeking mm-hmm. pleasure... Um, in any other thing, we're going to fail and we're going to fall flat on our face. But as long as our joy and our pleasure comes from our seeking Christ, Mm -hmm. then we can put these other things in their proper place and we can still operate in these areas Mm -hmm. and do these things so long as that we're not finding our joy and pleasure Mm -hmm. in them. Yeah. There's an interesting thing that Solomon's doing, and you may think he's like talking out of both sides of his mouth through the book because... There's so many instances where he lists off all these pleasures and things and he says they're worthless, they're mirages, they, they, there's n- nothing good from them. But then there's like half a dozen other places in the book where he says, I found nothing better than to enjoy life, to eat, to drink, to work, to enjoy my spouse. And you're like, wait a minute, I thought, I thought none of these things could give you pleasure. But now you're saying that they can, you know, what's going on? What's he doing? Yeah. And and mm. what, what he's doing is he's, as we said before, he's exposing the 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 folly of it in that if you make those things, the bent things the highest thing, 
then you're not then you're going to lose them mm-hmm. all right so yeah. if you make these things in your life your goal you'll never be able to enjoy them mm-hmm. you just won't you won't yeah. and he's saying you have to let go of those things and uh, uh, risk being normal <laughs> risk being mortal risk being finite and mutable and just and just um, let go of those things and once you let go of those things, then what God does, and when you put God at the top again, then what God does is he reintroduces those things a little bit at a time into your life so that you can enjoy them. All right. So he, let me just try to find one of these examples. It's, um, yeah, in, ver- in chapter 2, verse 24, he says, you know, keep in mind this is after he got just got done debunking all this stuff. But now he says in verse chapter two twenty four, he says, "There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil." Okay, once you let go of wanting to find enjoyment in all this stuff and 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 fear God, then God will give you back the ability to enjoy these things. And it's interesting that the examples that he uses to find joy in are all Garden of Eden things. Working, like Adam worked the garden, um, um, enjoying your spouse, eating, drinking, like those things. Those are the basic things in life. Eating, drinking, working, enjoying friendship, enjoying your spouse. Like God gives you back those things and you're finally able to enjoy them. And like, and, and, and that's a, it's it's a gift from God. And in fact, Solomon even calls it a power that God gives to us. That's something else that um, I observed uh, in this. So like in chapter 6, verse 19, and this isn't the only place, but um, it's, it's one of the places. Chapter 6, verse... Oh, there's not 6, verse 19. What did I write that for? He will give you the power to enjoy them. Um, uh, chapter 5, verse 19. Chapter 5, verse 19. So, everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and the power to enjoy them. That really stood out to me. If I'm going to be able to enjoy anything, if I'm going to be able to enjoy this cup of I have a bean coffee, Mm. then God has to give me the power to enjoy it. It's a power from God. It's a divine gift. It's a miracle to be able to enjoy this. And... And, and the only only way I can tap, you're like, well, how do I get that power then? The only way I can tap into that power is through putting God at the top, the eternal thing, the straight thing mm-hmm. at the top of my life as a main thing that I'm seeking. And then he will give give me in return power to enjoy this thing, to, to enjoy that. Um, there's maybe one last encouragement um, that I want to give. Uh, as we're as we're ending up here, and that's in in chapter six, Solomon gives kind of like a an, an illustration, I guess. And this was powerful when it when it struck home to me. He says, "There's an evil I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind." Okay, a man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. All right, so this guy's got everything. Wealth, possessions, people honor and respect him. He's popular. He has authority. 
He lacks nothing in all that he desires. So every desire he has, he has everything he can possibly want. I mean, that's, that's, that's everything. Yet God does not give him the power to enjoy them. So there it is again. But a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It's a grievous evil. If a man fathers, so the same guy, if he fathers a hundred children and leaves, uh, and, and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, the little things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. Like that's, that really strikes me. Mm. Here you have a guy that has everything his heart desires, honor, wealth, everything. Mm. And if he, God doesn't give him the power to enjoy those things, then a stillborn baby is better than him. That's crazy. Let me just think about that. That's crazy. And so when I when when I, I was listening to an audio Bible one morning uh, at at work, and that part came up uh, in chapter six. And at the time, I was like unloading this disgusting compost bin that was you know stinky and all this garbage mm-hmm. everywhere. And I just felt God say to me like. Today, Sam, today can be the day where you, you, you experience the most joy that is possible for a human to experience. Mm. You can do that today because just think about the, the man who had everything that his heart desires. He's, and he just said a stillborn child is better than he. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then, <laughs> therefore, if I had everything that my heart desires right now and I don't have the power to enjoy them from God then a stillborn child is better off than me. So therefore, it doesn't mm. matter what I have or what I'm, I'm doing right now as I'm emptying this disgusting compost bin that I can, expe- I can experience the most joy that any human has ever experienced right now if God gives me that power to do that. Mm. Wow. That's crazy. In, in, at 5 o'clock in the morning, you know, doing menial work, doing Garden of Eden work, <laughs> you know, simple things. That if God gives me that power, and if I make Him the the fear, the ultimate fear of my life, then then I can experience that joy, and that's just mm. that's a secret to finding joy in life. It's right here. It's it's not what you have, but it's how you order life, how you fear God, and um, how you depend on Him, and that's 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 Solomon's message for us. Mm. That's cool, man. That's that's a really good overview um, <clears throat> of Ecclesiastes, and I love the fact of how Solomon is like the the beta tester. You know, he's like, yeah. I'm gonna go test all this stuff out for you. You know, it's like, let back. me go, let me go eat this steak that's supposed to be the best steak, and I'll let you know how it is. Or let me go live in a mansion for a couple yeah. of years, and I'll let you know how that how that lifestyle is. And I mean it, you know. And I think that's where a lot of things in life we see the glitz and glamour um, of things. Mm-hmm. Or the notoriety of them, and it's like, man, I wanna, I wanna participate in that. I wanna enjoy that. I wanna own this. And if you happen to achieve it, probably along the way there wasn't much joy, there wasn't much goodness coming mm-hmm. out of it. But we're holding on to hope that our joy will be fulfilled once mm-hmm. we attain what we're trying to get. And then we get it, and it's like, man, you know, this, this isn't like I thought. Mm-hmm. You know, it's actually kind of empty. You know, it's in a lot of times, I guess a good thing would be a person to have wisdom like Solomon mm-hmm. and say, hey, I'm not doing that again mm-hmm. with anything and then tell other people. 
That's what Solomon does. Or we can be like the fool who says, well, maybe I need to get another one of them things. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I need to get more. Yeah. You know, and then start to chase all over again. And the same result happens, you know. So you're living an insane life by doing the same thing over and over again, thinking the results are going to be different when they're not. And because the Lord has only given us a certain amount of time. Yeah. We find ourselves wasting it yep. on things that aren't meaningful, um, and I like how you how you put it with putting the uh, the straight things first, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, ultimately, like we don't want any crooked things in our life, mm-hmm. you know. So for me, it's like I want to keep the straight things, not just at the top. I want to keep everything straight, mm-hmm. you know, because if crooked represents no joy and nothing good, then I don't want no crooked in my well, life. Well, crooked just represents the things that are fleeting. Okay, okay. All right. Not, all right. I know elsewhere in the Bible, crooked is like sinful. Yeah. Um, but in this case, I don't think it is. It's just the things that are, are fleeting. Yeah. Well, everything's fleeting except Christ. Yeah. So, you know, in, yeah. in a sense, no matter what we have, relationships, mm-hmm. family, yep. you know, blood family, yep. you know, Christian brothers and sisters, all everything's fleeting because mm-hmm. it's all coming to an yep. end. So we can't. And that's what Solomon says. God yeah. takes them all away. We can't not experience those things so i guess in that sense then it's keeping god and godly perspectives first and then in moderation the rest of the things that we do in this world Mm -hmm. that we have to do that we have to have Mm -hmm. um and making sure it doesn't become like top in the pecking order of our life yeah hold them very loosely yeah yeah no that's good i don't know about you but like the most meaningful spiritually uh, times I've had in my life are during hard times, mm. are during struggles, when you, when you, and maybe not, you, you maybe you don't realize that as you're going through it, but afterwards looking back, it's like wow, those were significant times in my life, and I had meaning and purpose, and closeness to God that I don't have when I, yeah, uh, when I'm surrounded by all these mirages. Yeah, well, I think, man, that's about our about our time yep. for the day. So, man, Ecclesiastes is a good book. Check it out. Um, it's 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 a small book. It's short. It's not twelve super chapters. Long. 12, yeah. twelve chapters. Not a lot. We kind of broke down the first couple, two yeah. or three, just to give you a good idea. So, man, we hope that this has been beneficial for y'all. Um, you can email us and let us know what you think at bumperstickerfaith um, at gmail dot com, or you can drop a comment on the platform that you use to watch or listen. To bumper sticker face. Mm-hmm. So man, thank y'all so much again. Thank you for our supporters. We appreciate appreciate you guys joining the squad. And so we hope to see you guys again soon. Take care and God bless. And don't go stepping in no BS. Peace. <laughs>